0: Hi, welcome to the Tabernacle Talks Podcast. My name is Gary Boyd, and I'm the pastor of the Collinsville Baptist Tabernacle. We're so glad that you've joined us for today's episode. The purpose of this podcast is to encourage and challenge the members of our church through interviews and discussions. We hope that today's interview will be a blessing to all of our listeners. Today, we're joined by uh, one of our missionaries and our missionary family here at the Baptist Tabernacle, Brother Oliver Williams. And Brother Williams is here with us during our missions conference and was gracious enough to sit down for an interview with us today. Brother Williams, thank you so much for joining us here on the Tabernacle Talks podcast. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. It's, it's my privilege. I have always enjoyed getting to visit with Brother Oliver and to hear what God has done there in the country of Peru, and he's going to share some of those things with us here today, and I know it's going to be a blessing to anyone that's listening to this podcast. Uh, Brother Williams, why don't you get started by telling us a little bit about your uh, history and how God called you and your wife there to the country of Peru, and uh, maybe some of the early days of what it was like there in, in Peru. Okay, well, I had the privilege of growing up. In a good Baptist church Uh, from the time
1: I was two weeks old, we've always been in church. My mother always taught Sunday school for 60 years in the same church. Our church was very mission-minded. They supported a lot of missionaries. Our church also started other churches in our area of the the state of South Alabama at the time. And I had a good pastor who preached missions, who had missionaries to come. Uh, frequently. Uh, When I was an early teen, we had uh, seemed like dozens of missionaries to come from the Philippine Islands and I always thought that would be great to be a missionary to the Philippine Islands when I was 14 or 15. Uh, Finishing high school, uh, I went to a Baptist College for a year and at that Baptist College, I found that my New Testament professor had asked the question when did Jesus become the Son of God? And I thought, what? What am I doing here? And so uh, I left and went to the Baptist Bible College in Springfield, Missouri. And it's the first person that I met when I walked on campus that Sunday morning when I arrived on a Greyhound bus to Springfield, Missouri, uh, it was a young lady whose friends, with a, 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 one of our friends from our home church met us. Uh, as we arrived on campus, and she says, Why have you come? What course are you going to study? And I said, Well, I've just come for a year of Bible study. Then I'm going back down south and finish at the other college. She said, Well, I'll pray that God calls you to the mission field. (laughs) And I thought, It'd be best if you minded your own business. That's what I thought. (laughs) But anyway, it wasn't long at, at the college that God began to speak to my heart about foreign missions. And uh, we made a surrender one Sunday night in the church that we were attending to be a missionary. But I didn't know where to. And then at Mission Prayer Band one night there at the college, they showed the film Through Gates of Splendor of the missionaries in Ecuador that were martyred by the Aqua Indians. And God touched my heart for South America and for the Spanish-speaking world. After that, short time after that, Rudy Johnson, who was our missionary in Lima, Peru, for many years, was in the college, and he presented the work in Lima, Peru. And he showed us pictures of Lima and the need for more missionaries there. And immediately, God burdened uh, our heart for Lima, Peru. And we finished an internship in the church in Houston where we worked. We worked there for two and a half years, getting ready to go to Peru, We raised our support in 1969. And in 1970, we went to language school in Mexico, had a great time in Mexico. And in uh, June of 71, we arrived in Lima, Peru to begin our ministry there. And we had the privilege of working with Rudy Johnson, who had started our Bible college in Lima and had started uh, about five churches at that time with the preacher boys who were graduates out of the Bible school. And so it was a good place to be. There was plenty of activity. Uh, We got to practice our Spanish. They told us when we got to finish the course in Mexico that we would have the vocabulary of about a five-year-old. And so I arrived on the field with the vocabulary of a five-year-old trying to evangelize the world. So we learned more Spanish as we practiced there. And we soon get up to be a third grader or fourth grader, maybe with our vocabulary. But uh, there was a place immediately to work in one of the churches, and we began to grow there in in ministry. The first church that we started was in a place called La Pascana in a growing area of the city of Lima. Lima was two and a half million people at that time. And uh, there was an open door, and, and the people responded there and uh, later on that church was organized. It is going on today. It's been there for over 50 years. They have a Christian school. They have a good pastor now. Uh, one of our professors from the Bible School has just taken that church, and he is a, he's a brilliant young man, and we're looking for great things to happen at that church. And uh, it was a privilege to work there for uh, in, in the very beginning of our ministry. Uh, at the same time, we grew in ministry at the Bible School, uh, learned to teach a little bit better in Spanish, and after five years working with the, the missionary who had started the school, Rudy Johnson, uh, he left the Peru and went to Miami for a ministry there, and he passed the responsibility of the Bible School to us. And so in the, uh, after five years in Peru, we became director of the Bible School, and we had that responsibility for 45 years. Just a year ago, uh, we finished our work there. We were able to pass that ministry on to our son-in-law David Lyles and his and our daughter Tanya, and they're doing a great ministry there with the Bible School. After we started our first church, uh, we were there for about two years, and they're uh, down south, uh, up on the north side of Lima. Uh, there was a, a group of people who wanted to have a church there. And no one wanted to go. It was about, uh, it was about 30 miles north of Lima. I had the church in La Pascana, uh, but there was a need there. And so finally I accepted to go up there on Sunday afternoon and start a Sunday school. We did that. And then come back in Sunday evening back to the church in La Pascana. And for two and a half, for a year and a half, we had Sunday morning in La Pascana in Lima, Sunday afternoon at a place called Peroville. Sunday night back in Lima, Wednesday night in one church, Thursday night the other church, Friday youth meeting in one church, Saturday youth meeting in the other church. And we were busy, but we thought that was where you were supposed to be at, the, at that time. And the Lord blessed. And soon we received a pastor for the city church, and we stayed with the church at Peterville. The, the church at Peterville was a very productive church. We had a lot of families that received the Lord. Uh, on about the third anniversary there, we had 500 people to attend uh, the anniversary service. We had about seven or eight young people to go into full-time ministry from that church. And one of them, a very strong leader, a very strong pastor, just uh, three years ago, I preached his 40th anniversary at the church that he is pastoring. He's still pastoring there. From that church, he started 10 other churches. Uh, He has a night Bible school. He has a Christian grade school, kindergarten through high school. He has a tremendous ministry. And when he was saved, he did not have a high school education. And, uh, but he was a born leader. He was a godly man. He still is. Uh, we went to his 70th birthday party two years ago, and he continues on uh, doing the ministry there. And we've had some tremendous leaders uh, who graduate from our Bible school there in Lima.
0: Now, in addition to the Bible school, you guys also have a camp ministry. That I believe you described the other day. It's not a youth camp or a children's camp. It's a church camp. Tell us a little bit about the camp.
1: Okay. Yes, I. <clears throat> my home church took me to a youth camp when I was 14 years of age, uh, and we started attending a camp from that time on. When we arrived in Lima, uh, there was already established a Camp ministry program. Pastor Johnson uh, loved the to work with the young people, and we would have a young people's camp, children's camp, and then we would have a family camp for about three days in the summertime. But we did not have our own camp property. We would have to rent. We would have children's camp at the Bible school on the property there, and then we would look for other places to meet for our other uh, camp program. And I began to pray, and asked the Lord, to give us land for our own uh, camp ministry. And I looked for land and prayed for land for over 20 years and never had peace about buying anything. The Lord just did not open it up, did not give me peace about it. And then finally one day, uh, my son-in-law and daughter were in charge of the high school camp, I called up to the camp to see how things were going. My daughter said, Daddy, I didn't sleep all night last night. And I said, "Tanya, why? Why didn't you sleep? She says, Well, uh, there's only 150 beds here, and we have 400 people in the camp. And I don't know where they're going to sleep. (laughs) And uh, I don't know where they slept, but they made it through the week. But I promised that I would go and look one more time for camp property uh, for our Fellowship of Churches, I took one of our leading pastors with, it, with me and we went up to the area where we rented the camp, a good area, uh, out, in the, out in the fields, the farm fields, and within a couple of hours we had found seven and a half acres of land that we felt that we should buy. The families that owned it made an agreement the, the same day. Uh, and two weeks later, we paid the $65,000 for uh, the seven and a half acres of camp. And then we were broke. We didn't have any more money. And, <laughs> and so we began to pray for the Lord to provide the money to develop the camp. Uh, when we would have college-age camp at the other place, just down the street, we would take the young people up there and we would pray over the land. They would walk the distance of the land, praying for the God to provide. And after about four years, nearly five years, one day the telephone rang and God began to work. And he provided all the money that we needed to uh, begin to build on the property. And we built a a great youth camp, real nice facilities. And we use it for all of our churches, for all ages in our churches. And sometimes a church will take all of its people up there for a weekend retreat also. Uh, this year, uh, our third year of having camp there, uh, we've had uh, with the group that's there right now. We've had 2,000 people involved in camp uh, ministry on that property. We have wow. camp for uh, for men, for women, for young professionals, single young professionals, children, uh, junior high, high school, uh, weekend retreats. Uh, ladies' camp is a big thing. Last year, they had 220 ladies at their at their camp. And uh, the camp is already booked solid from January the 1st until the second week in March. And we're looking forward to being back down there involved in December and
0: getting things ready for the camp season there at Good Hope Baptist Camp. Amen. Well, uh, the primary purpose of this podcast, as I mentioned, was is for the, the members of our church But it's possible that there may be amongst the members members of our church or just the members of our audience uh, that there might be a young missionary or a a person that's considering giving their life to go out and be a foreign missionary. In your over 50 years of experience, what kind of advice would you give to a young missionary or someone considering being a missionary as they uh, launch out into this opportunity? Well, something as fundamental is uh, the
1: financial support. They need to go with the backing of their church and uh, ask the Lord to provide sufficient funds to be able to live and to be able to invest in the ministry there. Uh, Learn the language real well. The better you can speak, the the more readily you can reach the people with with the gospel. And then pray for direction as to where to begin and with whom to begin, who uh, that you should be working with. And God will have a particular place and a particular purpose in that place uh, for someone. But always seeking uh, the direction of the Holy Spirit of God to know where you should be, what you should be doing, and how you should be working, and have a knowledge of that before you ever begin.
0: What are some of the biggest changes that you have seen in missions work over the last several decades?
1: The in Peru the largest change is is that Peru is open to the gospel, and uh, we're having there's a lot of different kinds of churches that are there now, evangelizing, and we have an open door in Peru. The people the people in Peru are warm, receptive to us. They receive us well, uh, they are interested in God, uh, they are religious as far as uh, the, growing up in Catholicism in, in Peru where we have several things in common with the, with the Catholic Church and we have a basis to begin with working with the people there and uh, and there is an open door when our seniors take their senior trip before graduation every year uh, they will go to someplace in the provinces and they're able to uh, get into the high schools and in the junior high schools and to teach and to present the gospel uh, they're allowed to go to the main plazas and to preach and to teach We just have a great opportunity in Peru and we need some more missionaries to take advantage of that opportunity that's open to us right
0: now. Amen. Well, I know you mentioned that, you know, you're feeling like retirement is growing closer and um, that that was a a commitment that you made to the Lord. As you prepare to go back, uh, what are some things that you're trying to see accomplished as you get closer to that retirement stage? Mm Well, the, the, the most important pressing
1: ministry we had was the Bible school, the Bible college. Uh, and I said we were there for 45 years. Uh, met payroll every Friday for 45 years. That was a, an interesting time. Uh, but the Lord has uh, given us a great son-in-law. He has two master's degrees. He has two doctor's degrees. He is very prepared. And they have been working with us in Peru for 25 years. And last December at graduation, we uh, turned the responsibility of the Bible School over to David Lyles, our son-in-law. And he is doing a great work There's going up to a different level. Uh, we had one of our uh, young people whose father was a medical doctor, is a medical doctor, he grew up in one of our oldest churches there, and his daughter. Uh, wanted to come to Bible school. And she prepared all through high school to come to Bible school. And uh, she graduated from high school, and her dad said, you can go to Bible school as soon as you finish medical school. <laughs> okay. And uh, as soon as she finished medical school, she married one of our graduates, a pastor, and she came to Bible school. And uh, she was a doctor of internal medicine. And I was talking with her one day, and she said, Pastor, she says the courses here are harder than bible school and i said well uh, are harder than medical school i'm sorry and uh, and i said wonderful wonderful we want you to be as prepared as possible <laughs> uh, of course she is as a pastor's wife she's been a great help to our all of our pastor's wives especially during the pandemic uh, uh she has been available uh, for everyone and god is blessing their ministry also Uh, but uh, david is doing a great job at at the bible school we had started construction on the youth camp property and uh, we have the first half of the land developed Uh, we have another three acres to develop uh, but we we have uh, a good camp facilities available and uh I am preparing four of our leading pastors who are interested in youth camp to be responsible uh, for the camp ministry. I have met with them just before we came out uh, a few months ago, and uh, they'll be in camp in January and February, and I'll be working with them and passing the leadership in the next year, year and a half uh, to them as far as the development of the program there. And so we have great people, great leaders,
0: people that love the Lord, uh, that we've been able to pass our ministries on to. Amen. That's really encouraging to hear the, uh, the perpetuation of the ministry there. And uh, I would imagine that was probably one of your goals all along was to see uh, these works continue far beyond your time with them. Exactly. Our desire is that uh, our pastors be involved, be the leaders. And they're
1: doing that. They're developing leadership Uh, They have prepared themselves with more education. All of our professors have at least eight years of superior studies and
0: continue to study and work and to improve the ministry at the the Bible College. Amen. Well, um, before I I let you go, uh, I was wondering if perhaps you would be willing to share with our listeners, most of them being church members who may never go overseas, but love missionaries, want to support them. Uh, obviously, we think a lot about giving financially to support the ministries, but what are some other things that you as a missionary would say are, are great encouragements and, and ways that people here in the States can support their missionary family overseas? Well, of course, we are grateful for the,
1: <clears throat> the offerings that come through the churches. We believe that Uh, Ministry is done through the local Baptist church. Uh, We need your prayers. And it's good to know when people are praying for us. Uh, uh, Our first term, our last child was born. And Gloria was in bed for five months before the birth uh, of of Brent, our son. And uh, we knew that people were praying for us. We wrote and asked for prayer, so we believed that that people were praying for us. But when we came home on furlough, in almost every one of our churches, people came around and told us that they had prayed for Gloria and for Brent. Uh, We did not know that personally, but it was a joy to know that. And uh, if we could get a letter, maybe from the pastor from time to time, saying that they're praying for us, It would be a blessing. It would be an encouragement, even though we know that in most of our churches, they do pray for their missionaries. Amen.
0: Well, Brother Williams, thank you so much uh, for being willing to sit down and talk to us. And thank you for your testimony and uh, the encouragement that I know you've been to our church and to me personally, and now uh, to those who will listen to this podcast and this episode. Uh, We're very grateful for your time and for your service to the Lord. Well, thank you. We appreciate so much the help of the church and the financial help that we've received from here for 53 years now. It's been our pleasure. We would like to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. To the members of our church, we hope to see you in a service soon. If you're not a member of our church and you are ever in the Tulsa area, we hope that you'll come by and see us. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us online. We are on Facebook and Instagram. And our website is cbtchurch.com. If you enjoyed this interview, you can help us out by liking and subscribing using your preferred podcast provider. Thanks again. We hope that you have a blessed day.